Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. So why does a guy leave his own TV show? What if what if having your own TV show is not all it's cracked up to be? The amount of times I'm asked, so when are you going to get a show on Fox? And I have to explain to people, I'm never, ever getting a show on Fox. That's not happening. It's not that I wouldn't talk to them about a show. It's that I'm not going to get offered one. And if I did one, I, I, I don't make me do what everybody else is doing. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. Not by a long shot. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary, former host at Newsmax, and now the author of the book, The Parrots Go Bananas, done with Brave Books. He uh, joins me right now as we get into this conversation about what you do, all, all of these things, uh, author and, and former press secretary, but you you left the Newsmax gig. You were like, hey, thanks, I appreciate it, but this isn't for me. How does one leave that gig? Oh, so much to break down there, Tony Katz. First of all, it's great to be with you. Always enjoy it. Um, so look, here's what it um, what it came down to. Uh, quite simply, is I had three great years uh, at Newsmax. I love doing the show. Um, I have some new opportunities. I'm going to be announcing them very soon. And most of it comes down to being able to have the freedom to do a lot more of what I want um, in, in a forum in which I want to do it, meaning that um, to be able to do it independently as opposed to through a network. Um, I love being at Newsmax, the opportunity that that they gave me. Um, and we walked away as friends. This isn't a, this was just sort of, they're, they're moving uh, forward in a direction. I had 44 minutes of television I could do. Um, I have a project that I'm working on that I'll be announcing very soon. Um, I put a video out at YouTube, uh, on my YouTube page. Sean Sp- it's Sean M. Spicer on YouTube. And people go to my newsletter, seanspicer.com um, and sign up and I'll, I'll keep you up to date. But it, it was quite simply the op- opportunity to go do more content that I wanted to do. Um, and, and as you know, I mean, when you work for a network, it's their network, uh, their show, their timing. Yeah. Um, and, um, and I appreciate that they did for me and the opportunities that they gave me. Um, but as we talked about the next two years, um, I looked at this coming cycle and some of the opportunities that had presented to me. Um, and, you know, to be blunt, I'm going to bet on myself. Um, I love what a lot of the guests, I mean, you've been on the show, Dave Rubin's been on the show. Um, I'm just trying to think how many people have, have you know, you, you look at people out and, and what the folks at the Daily Wire have done, what have, uh, what people like Megan Kelly and Liz Wheeler and Dana Lash. And, and I was like, you know what? I like what they're doing. And I've had conversations with all of them over the last, um, uh, couple of years. And I thought I had had some conversations about what it would take uh, to do something that I wanted to do and build. Uh, and so that's, that's the avenue I'm heading down. We're not ready to make the, the full announcement yet, but frankly, that's, that's what I'm doing. And um, you know, as a, as just a, a bit of inside baseball, I, I, you bring up something that people rarely bring up. Uh, there's a reason I do radio and not 
TV as 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 you did it. Uh, you know, people are like, well, would you take the money? Sure, you always take the money. But there's a conversation about what it is you want to share. To live in a world where I get to talk uh, for these three hours that I do on midday or three hours I do in the morning doing the stuff here on Rumble where the only editor in my head is me. There's yeah. no other voice. It's not that the other voice is, is rude or anything, but it it is. I mean, that it's a remarkably freeing thing to just be able to do your own thing as opposed to, okay, here's what is expected of us thing. So, so there's two things and you brought up both of them, which is money and, and then what you ultimately want to do in terms of your, you know, and, and um, there is something about being a W2 employee, which I was at Newsmax. Uh, there's a sense of stability. There's some benefits that go along with that in terms of, you know, uh, I didn't take health care from them because I, I get it through other means. But I mean, like life insurance and disability or whatever. Um, but there's something about being your own boss. Um, and and I from the models that I've put together and the, and the marketing team and the sponsorships, the money part is going to be I fingers crossed. I think we're going to be just fine. And then to your point, I love the conversation. The thing about a TV show the one that I had is it's very constraining. It's 44 minutes, it's six blocks and they're all between five and seven minutes. And so to have a conversation like you and I have is not, is not something that you can do in, in television in the setup that we had. So I love, uh, I have a podcast that I've been doing for a little while called beyond the briefing. I had, um, on Mondays, I break down political matters for about 25 to 30 minutes. And I just go off for 30 minutes. I can't do that in television. And I couldn't do it on video because of the contract that I had with Newsmax. I had a lot of prohibitions. And that's the other thing. And again, and I don't, this isn't, like I said, we're, we're all on great terms. But when, when a network is paying you as a W-2 employee, or frankly, any employer, this isn't about Newsmax, or, but they're saying this is what, you, what you're buying into by being an employee of ours. And so, uh, so I, I want to do certain things because I, especially going into a, a presidential year, I spent six years at the RNC, two political, two presidential cycles, obviously the Trump campaign in 2016, he's running again. And I, I'm like, I don't want to be constrained by six blocks a day um, and not necessarily the topics that I always want to be talking about. Because again, it's right. a network, they're going to tell you hey, we need you to talk about these three things today or have these four guests or whatever. Again, that's their job, their prerogative because it's their their network. Um, I wanted to be able to go out and do things that I thought would be valuable. And I, I look, you talk to my wife, I scream at the television half the day or at the radio or whatever because I get so annoyed when I watch. I mean, it's like doctors watching ER or cops watching Chicago PD or something. Like, I'm like, that's just not how the system works. And so I have this desire to want to tell people, here's why Ron DeSantis hasn't announced yet, right? Here's why Donald Trump is doing what he's doing, because here's how the game is played. Here's how this works. And um, and in talking to some folks, they were like, well, we can we can give you that infrastructure and we can help you do it. And so we're putting together that that plan to roll out in the next little while. Well, we look forward uh, to hearing it and seeing it, talking to Sean Spicer. Uh, the book, by the way, the latest book, The Parrots Go Bananas, Sean Spicer and Brave Books. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But you brought up DeSantis and you brought up Trump. And, and you know, the question is, what would it take for DeSantis to dethrone uh, the, the, the Donald. So you, the, the question I get asked all the time is why hasn't DeSantis gotten into this race? And I answer, you know, I'm very much on the outside looking in, 
he doesn't have to. Well, I don't believe there's any rush for DeSantis to get in in this race at all. He can wait all the time and raise all the money outside of the real pressure of being a candidate. You agree or you disagree? Well, I think it's not even that. I, I, there's more to it. And, and it's this. Florida has a resign to run law. The resign to run law says that if he announces for president or creates a federal committee with the FEC, so he doesn't even have to announce. If he creates, he has to, by Florida law, announce a date that he will resign his office as governor. Now, that would be stupid. So what's going to happen is the Florida legislature goes sine die the first week of May. So somewhere in that first week of May, probably towards the last uh, few days, they will introduce an election reform bill. And in the 4,752-page bill, uh, somewhere around page 3,000, they will insert one line that says, the chief executive of Florida shall not be uh, blah, blah, blah. According to to resign, whatever yeah. they say. And exactly. And so it'll be switched. And that will be your signal. The bat light will go on to tell everyone that he is running. But they're not going to do it until the, the, the session is over. Because why would, to your point, why would he do it prematurely? Because he wants to have these fights with Disney. He wants to talk about the world. And instead of being seen through the lens as a presidential candidate, he can be seen as a governor that's getting things done. And he can say, what are you talking about? I'm not running. I'm just getting things done for the state of Florida. So it's a smart move for that reason. Um, the second question you are asking is why? Uh, so that's why he's not. Can he announce? Sure. But it would be horribly stupid to give up the office to run. Right. Um, for a million reasons. So could he? Sure. Will he? No. And he's going to. So here's the thing. Everybody who wants to know if and when he's running, if the Florida legislature goes signy die the first week of May and they don't change the law, something's going on. That's your tell. If it changed the law, there's your tell that he's getting in. If uh, so, once that happens, though, here's your answer. I don't, I tell everyone all the time, it doesn't matter what national polls say. You're not running a national election. You're running a race to gather approximately 1,400 delegates in the Republican uh, primary. And that early states matter most, New Hampshire, Iowa, South Carolina, Nevada. All of the states, the 50 states and territories have to submit their state plans to the RNC by October 1st. And then the RNC will bless them. And that will look at the timeline and the way in which they allocate the delegates that they have been awarded. So Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, everybody will say, and in each state, you have a minimum threshold, 10%, that you need to get to even qualify for delegates. So right now, if you're Pence or Haley or whomever, and you're getting 8% in, in, in Iowa or New Hampshire, you, you currently don't even qualify for any delegates. So to answer your question about DeSantis, if I were DeSantis's team, and I wanted to win, I wouldn't care about anything that national polls say. The only thing I would focus on is winning one or two of those early states, New Hampshire, Iowa, because the second that you do and people believe that you can kill the king, the game changes. Everyone's going to go, whoa. If Trump wins all four of those, if he wins Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada, game over. He rolls into Super Tuesday. Every donor grassroots activist says, I'm not risking it. Uh, like he, it looks inevitable. I'm jumping on the train and, uh, and no one else gets anything. I, I don't disagree with that in the slightest. Speaking with Sean Spicer, former white house press secretary, formerly a host at Newsmax and the author 
of the Parrots Go Bananas. Uh, you can actually find that at SeanSpicer.com. I'm not arguing with you about if, if Trump runs the table. In your view, where does DeSantis have to be in the first two? Let's leave South Carolina out of it because you have a Nikki Haley, Tim Scott conversation that could cloud the conversation there and wondering, you know, how far they get through the thing. Does DeSantis have to be a number two in both of those states or does DeSantis have to win one of them to make this push past a Super Tuesday? So uh, interestingly, I'll start backwards. In South Carolina right now, Nikki Haley's getting 19%. Tim Scott's getting seven. That doesn't bode well for either one of them right now. But to answer your fir- your other question, if DeSantis, look, if he doesn't win one of the first two states, I find it hard for him to make the case for donor. I mean, look, if you you have to have donors because donors allow you to get on a plane to go to the next state and allow your staff to get paid and allow the signs and the commercials and everything. And in order for donors, donors need to feel like they're with a winner or a potential winner. And if you don't win one of those two states, I have a hard time seeing the case that you're making to them, number one. Number two, I think you might be able to make it with a strong second place showing. Now, what does that mean? Well, right now in South Carolina, Trump's up about 25, I mean, excuse me, in Iowa, about 25 points. 25 points is a blowout. If DeSantis were to get there, let's say, within five and people thought, whoa, he looks like he's within striking distance. I think you can stick, make a case to donors and you can make a case to grassroots activists and say, hey, guys, keep putting up those signs, make those phone calls. Right. I'm in this and I just need your help. Let's go to New Hampshire. Um, and then he'll he'll you know, he DeSantis was just in South Carolina. I can see him spending a lot more time there the proximity to Florida. So but if he doesn't have he's got to show something in those first four states uh, before you get to Super Tuesday, they give people a reason. And I don't mean, you know, not just the donors, the big donors, the low donors, the grassroots activists, the grass tops activists, the influencers, you know, who are on Twitter and Rumble and Truth Social and saying, whoa, check this out. You know, DeSantis, keep going. If he doesn't do something of that nature, I I don't, because at a certain point, it dries up real quick. Now let's get into a, a part two conversation, Sean, which is who else on the Republican side actually gets into this race? Mike Pompeo has bowed out. Uh, former Vice President Mike Pence hasn't jumped in yet. I assume he will. Look, I'm an Indiana guy. Uh, my main station, WIBC, is where Mike Pence got his start. We've had many a conversation I don't see his path. I have said so on air numerous times. Um, uh, You have two contenders from South Carolina, which splits that state, which is a problem for both of them, but they both got into it knowing that that would be an issue. Who are we missing? Who is the possible spoiler out there in your view that could get in this race that would make anybody go, really? That's interesting. So right now, I don't see anybody playing that role. I know that there's a discussion about Brian Kemp potentially getting in. Brian Kemp, very popular governor in Georgia. Um, he has a reason to be a little peeved at, at President Trump. He has done a lot of great things on the economic front. He's very pro-life, signed a, a very strong pro-life bill down there, has been very strong on the economic front. Um, but again, I, I, I mean, I ask this, I mean, I think you're, you're, analysis on Mike Pence is spot on. I mean, I'm like, what, what's your lane? Um, the, the president's lane, President Trump's lane right now, let's call it 
45 to 55%. Again, it's, and, and just remember, there's one other thing that I tell people all the time, Tony, that's so critical to understanding this. President Trump has run twice before. He has an infrastructure advantage that nobody else is even close to. He has more data on voters than anyone else combined. So he knows every single person in Iowa and how they've caucused, right? Ron DeSantis has nothing. He starts from like a voter list that he's pulling off the shelf. Mike Pence, same thing. So they're starting, they're literally walking around Cedar Rapids and Dubuque and saying like, hi, my name's Mike Pence. I'm Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump's like, hey, I know your name. I know how you voted. I know where you live. I know your giving history. I know where you caucus. I know your precinct. That's a distinct advantage. And it's in New Hampshire. It's in Iowa. It's in South Carolina. It's in Nevada. It's in Indiana. Everywhere. I appreciate Sean Spicer taking the time to be with me. The interview went so long uh, that that you'll be able to catch it uh, on, on Rumble, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. And of course, you'll find it all uh, at wherever it is you find the podcast. I'll have it all for you. But there was more to the conversation. I will share more with you. This is Tony Katz today.